The Ford F-150 truck drives smart design forward. The standard 12-inch productivity screen helps you get what you need done too. And the available pro-access tailgate improves access to bed and cargo and utilization of the bed, including when towing a trailer. Together with a wider bumper step, it's easier to access the bed and load in tight spaces. And available Pro Power Onboard serves as a mobile power source, providing up to 7.2 kilowatts of power to charge a bed full of electric dirt bikes or run an entire job site worth of tools. I'm still driving my 2016 F-150 truck and 90,000 miles in. As long as I keep it clean, it honestly still looks brand new. I've taken it down snow-covered forest service roads, taken it out camping, put a ton of miles on it on the freeway, had five adults in the cabin for long trips, and it's been great everywhere. Super dependable. I still love the way it looks, nice and rugged design, but with a super comfortable interior. And I'm still very happy with the quality sound system and heated seats. And since I bought my 2016 F-150 truck, the list of standard amenities that make a truck feel like a luxury vehicle have only grown. Tough this smart can only be called F-150. Find your local Ford dealer at Ford.com. Pro access tailgate available starting spring 2024. See owner's manual for important operating instructions. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. On Saturday, May 31st, 2014, 12-year-old girl Peyton Lettner was playing hide-and-seek with two other 12-year-old girls, Anissa Weir and Morgan Geyser, in a suburban park in Waukesha, Wisconsin, the morning after a sleepover. They'd all been to a skate park the night before, stayed up late talking, played dress-up, eating donuts and strawberries for breakfast, having a good day so far. And then suddenly Morgan, following Anissa's command, stabs Peyton 19 times with a steak knife she'd snuck out of her mom's kitchen. She and Anissa have been planning on killing Peyton, known as Bella, for roughly six months. Why? Because they believe if they made a sacrifice to Slenderman, not only would this monster not kill them or kill their families, he would also allow them to become his proxies and live with him in the forest. Leaving Bella for dead, the girls set out to find Slenderman's mansion. Within hours, Bella would be recovering in a local hospital, Morgan and Anissa would be confessing in a local jail, and the Slenderman stabbing story would be national news. And now, over three years later, Morgan and Anissa are finally set to go to trial for what they did. And you're set to understand who the hell Slenderman is and look at why these girls may have done what they did. Digital folklore, 21st century superstition, a myth, a monster, and an almost murder today on Time Suck. You're listening to Time Suck. Happy Monday and hail Nimrod, time suckers. Welcome to the suck. I'm Dan Cummins, and thanks for listening to another episode of the best project I have ever worked on. I truly hope you enjoy today's excursion into curiosity. Time suck is brought to us once again today by the Fantasy Footballers Podcast. Did you check them out this past week? You should have. They're awesome, and they're easy to find. Now that the football season is coming up, they're cranking out quality episodes Monday through Friday. You can watch them on YouTube, subscribe on iTunes, listen on iHeartRadio, Google Play, everywhere podcasts can be listened to. Go to thefantasyfootballers.com, pick up a draft kit. Good dudes, great football experts, Andy Holloway, Jason Moore, Mike Wright, they have a great show, and you're going to love it. 
Even if you just have a passing interest in sports, they're number one on iTunes in the fantasy football category day in and day out. They won the 2016 People's Choice Award for Best Podcast from the Academy of Podcasters Podcast Awards, and they love Time Suck. So check them out. Fantasy Footballers is a year-round fantasy podcast that kicks it up from two shows a week to five shows a week, Monday through Friday, August through December. My son Kyler and I have been listening so we can kick the living shit out of the other members of our family league. All right, grandmas, aunts, my wife, cousins, in-laws, all getting kicked right in their nuts. This season, thanks to the Fantasy Footballers expert advice. So listen, download, and subscribe. Link to the Fantasy Footballers podcast will be in today's episode description. And thanks for all the new uh, iTunes reviews this past week. Man, lots of new subscriptions. Thanks to the uh, Fantasy Footballers uh, listeners for giving this suck a shot. Love welcoming the Foot Clan into the suck family. Uh, Appreciate recent emails. Let me know. Uh, the rest of you suckers still spreading the suck, sharing some ear joy. Uh, a little bit of new merch in the Time Suck store today. Uh, I'm excited. Time Suck stickers. Some Time Suck stickers finally here. Five of them. Uh, finally got that done. Uh, three are variations of the new logo. One is the design from the Flat Earth tee. Uh, the fifth is, is the design from the Bojangles tee. All five look awesome. Uh, the first generation sticker pack. Uh, and here's the best part. You get a free sticker pack. You get all five stickers uh, free. With every order over 10 bucks, which right now is everything else in the store. So, you know, you order a shirt, yeah, you get a free sticker pack. Order a book, sticker pack, free. Signed album, free sticker pack. And if you just want stickers uh, and you don't want to buy anything else, that's fine. Uh, you get one sticker pack for three bucks plus shipping, uh, five bucks for two sticker packs plus shipping, and for 10 bucks, you get five sticker packs plus shipping. So many stickers! And, uh, you know, please uh, send in pics of you sticking these stickers in some fun places uh, or, you know, anywhere you see fit. Send them into Bojangles at timesuckpodcast.com or, or just, uh, you know, tag Instagram, our Instagram at timesuckpodcast, t- tag the handle or send it in, and, uh, and we'll blast them out on the social media. Spread the suck with some stickers. Represent. Hats still being manufactured. Fourth generation t-shirt still being designed. Uh, the 800 review bonus episode will not be this Friday. Uh, MK Ultra. The CIA mind control experiments. It's going to drop Friday, August 25th. Uh, not sure if we're going to hit 800 reviews by Monday as of this recording, but we'll definitely hit uh, that many before the following Monday. Very close. And, and I just need a little more time to get totally ready. So it's crazy shit I'm looking to do. Uh, thanks to Dab Marino, Josh DeCruz, Casey Locke, and Darth Wretched on Twitter for asking for some Slender Man suck. And special shout out, you suck, Corey Collinson. You son of a bitch. Your time-sucking Arizona Sun Devil girlfriend, Tyler Ray DeLang, hit me up to let me know uh, you're completing your service in the Marine Corps on August 23rd, and you guys won't have to suck long distance after three years of some long-distance sucking. Uh, So now you can suck with each other in person. Long-distance dating. Suck hasn't been around for three years. You you know, you've been dating long-distance for three years, and now you get to have some face-to-face suck. And I'm sure some face-to-face other stuff as well. That'll be fun. So congrats, and uh, and thank you for eight and a half years of service. Thank you very much. Uh, Bo Jangles and I uh, salute you. Uh, that's, that's amazing. And now let's check in with the rest of the Cult of the Curious with some Time Sucker updates. Updates. Get your Time Sucker updates. Okay, first time on this segment, I want to share an update, and I can't remember who the hell sent it in. So it was, uh, I, can, I looked for like an hour. Part of the problem is I got too many social media handles and email addresses. You know, I'm some, I'm checking shit on the fly. Sometimes in the car, I shouldn't do that. I'm, I'm working on stopping doing that. But I, I try like at stoplights. You know, that's why sometimes you'll see, you guys will see that I've checked messages, but I don't respond because I'm being a dumb shit at a red light checking fucking messages. But anyway, uh, uh, if you'd be kind, help me and my volunteers out. Send in the updates to bojangles at timesuckpodcast.com. 
or, or one of the Time Suck social media sites as opposed to mine, at Time Suck Podcast uh, on Twitter and Instagram slash Time Suck Podcast on Facebook. Just makes it easier to, to dig them back up. And, uh, and whoever sent this in, if you want to hit me back up, I will acknowledge it this next week because it's an awesome update. Uh, this, is, this goes back to the very first episode of Time Suck. It's about the lizard Illuminati. You know I'm fascinated with them. I've, I've referenced space lizards many times on this show. Uh, it's a topic I first thought of when I first thought of this podcast. There are people who believe that a race of predatory lizards from space settled on Earth millennia ago and mated with a few select humans, and these reptilian-human hybrids have been ruling the Earth ever since. Obama, lizard. All right? Fucking Putin, lizard. So, so many li- Trump, not a lizard for some reason. Uh, but, you know, most people, most leaders, lizards. Hillary, lizard. Almost full lizard. Uh, <laughs> and these reptilian human hybrids, yeah, they just, they fucking rule us. And, 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 and most world leaders have reptilian blood and they answer to the space lizards who live in tunnels, you know, the full, the full lizards. And they live in cities under the earth, uh, where they harvest monoatomic gold, whatever that bullshit is. It doesn't seem real. Uh, they can shape shift. They, they use, they eat the monoatomic gold so they can shape shift and they shape shift so they can trick us into fucking starting wars and stuff and then feed quite literally on our fear. Uh, fear that they create, yeah, through like, you know, manipulating people into war and causing famines and atrocities. It's just, it, it's the craziest shit ever. I'm going to do another episode about it someday because it was the first episode when I wasn't, you know, sucking as deep as I do now. And I just, I can't stop thinking about goddamn space lizards. And, uh, you know, these shapeshifters, they can appear as, as human to the untrained eye. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it makes them hard to, you know, figure out like who's who, who's real, who's real, who's lizard. Uh, these people make flat earth believers look like members of Mensa. So here's the update. 42-year-old Barbara Rogers of Coolball Township, uh, Pennsylvania, uh, shot her 32-year-old boyfriend, Stephen Mineo, the morning of this past July 2nd, or July 22nd, excuse me, in the head, killing him instantly. She claims he had asked her to kill him because he couldn't stand the thought of the space lizards enslaving the human race any longer. He was tired of their shit. The two of them belong to an online cult that believe that space lizards uh, are controlling our minds. And that some sort of lizard uh, directed Armageddon is at hand. It's coming up. What in the fuck? Listen, if you become so convinced in some conspiracy that you would rather die than see its conclusion, see a counselor before you have yourself executed. And when you're thinking about the end of the world stuff, uh, listen to the Nostradamus Time Suck episode where I explain how doomsday predictions have been going on like every generation, every couple of years really, for thousands of years. And they've always, I repeat, always been wrong. They're batting zero percent. And look, I know this story is terribly tragic. Someone died. But, but, I do wish, I do wish I could have spied on their private conversations months before the killing. I know that's dark, but I still, I believe it. I, I feel it. You know, it would have been the most ridiculous, entertaining shit that they were saying. Just the paranoia over lizards. Just, just a lot of, of course they fired you, Barbara. Of course they fired, it's part of their plan. They fired you. They fired, they, they've been firing me from every job I've ever had. And it didn't, you know, they didn't let me complete college. They, you know, they keep making us have to reset the Wi-Fi because uh, it never consistently works. And my my watch just died. My watch just died, Barb, even though I had a new battery put in two months ago. Well, you think that's a fucking coincidence? You, you, you think that's all just, just what happens in life? It's the fucking space lizards. There's so many space lizards ruining everything. Oh, my God. Ah. Oh. The realities we create for ourselves. So much of life lies in our perception of it. It really does. Okay. Another update. I keep forgetting to throw in, uh, 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 throw in a show from Time Sucker Matt Hoovelhorst, uh, echoed by many other Time Suckers. He wrote in saying, hey, Dan, in your Nostradamus episode, you said that AD stands for after death. It actually stands for Anno Domini, which translates to in the year of our Lord, 
in Latin. Uh, how would we explain the 30-something years between before Christ and after death? Damn it. Damn it. Matt, you're right. BC stands for before Christ. AD does not stand for after death. I thought that my whole life. Uh, I looked online. I found it's a common misconception. Couldn't find out where it came from. Uh, I blame growing up in Riggins, Idaho. If I would have went to a proper school with classes that had, you know, shit like Latin instead of, a, you know, classes, you know, run by a Spanish teacher who just let us watch random fucking pop culture movies and gave up on trying to teach us because you hated living there. Uh, maybe I'd know some more stuff, <laughs> but I know now. So thank you, Matt. AD is Anno Domini. Uh, that does make way more sense. I mean, how would you account for those random extra 30 years? So thanks for making me smarter, time suckers. Hail Nimrod. Final update, special update comes in today from Colin Reed. Colin writes in who types, uh, Dan, even though I'm only 12, you have opened my mind. Before this podcast, I had no idea who Vlad the Impaler was or what it really was to be transgender. I know this is a little late, but Transgender Debate Podcast was very eye-opening for me. And your chat with Erica really gave me an inside view on what it is like to be transgender. You are a real eye-opener. Keep up the suck, master sucker. Well, thanks, Colin. All right, just to get this out of the way, the dad of me thinks this is goddamn adorable. I don't mean to be patronizing, buddy. I know you're, you're a young man. I just happen to have an 11-year-old son, and I think about him and his friends, and well, it just makes me feel good, man. I think this is great. I worried early on that I was too vulgar, too raw, you know, with my profanity and my presentation for listeners like you, but you know what? That's some silly old protective dad shit. That's some old overly protective dad thought. I love that you listen. You know, you're not hearing any more from me than you already hear at school. Oh, I know that for sure. And, uh, you know, and you've listened to the Vlad, well, actually, if you listen to the Vlad episode, you probably have heard a little bit more from me. But you know what? But at least you're getting information that's, you know, as factual as I can make it be. Uh, I'm guessing way more factual than what you're probably getting from other 12-year-olds. Uh, my friends and I at that age really thought we knew way more than what we did. Uh, we had a lot of crazy notions. So again, glad I can help shape a young mind. I actually do take that responsibility pretty seriously as irreverent as I am. Uh, I fret more than you probably realize over how to present the information in these episodes and just keep going back to trying to be as honest and unbiased as possible in this world of spin we live in. Uh, I know we're all uh, biased, but I do make a real effort to keep mine in check as much as possible. And on that note, thanks again to many of you Christian suckers out there for making a non-religious sucker like myself way less judgmental uh, of religious people in general. Thanks for kicking me off my high horse. Called me out several times, put me in much-needed check, and I do appreciate it. Okay, let's talk about some more 12-year-olds. Today's episode is all about 12-year-olds and what they believe. Uh, let's get into some Slender Man Suck. Thanks, time suckers. I needed that. We all did. You know, it's not always easy to trace the exact moment a boogeyman started showing up in humanity's dreams. Like we learned in the Vlad the Impaler episode that Vlad Dracula partly inspired Bram Stoker centuries later to write Dracula, a novel published in 1897 that influenced the creation of the vampire monster we imagine today more than any other singular source. But we also learned that vampiric mythology existed in various blood-sucking forms long before the book's publication, long before the life of Vlad himself. Vampiric monsters living in the nightmares of children and adults alike in various places, the nightmare woven across the continents through various cultures for centuries. Werewolves have existed in various half-beast, half-human form, at least as far back as Greek antiquity, its original creator, if there was one, now completely lost to history. George Romero, often credited with launching zombie mythology with 1968's classic horror flick Night of the Living Dead, but zombies go at least as far back as 17th century Haiti, born out of the French slavery subculture. Who knows who first conjured up the image of the mindless corpse that refuses to stain its grave and has now made uh, AMC a lot of money. It's different with Slender Man. We know exactly when he was born. Slender Man was born in Elko, Nevada on March 14, 1923. He was born 31 inches long, only weighing one pound, uh, one ounces. Very tall, very skinny baby. 
Uh, when Slenderman was first handed to his mother, uh, Catherine Cat Lee Slenderman, uh, a petite woman who had made a living selling huckleberry muffins to silver miners, uh, she reportedly screamed, No, where's my baby? What the, what the, heck, what the, what the fuck is that? Why does my boy have a face? Why are his arms so long? Why, why is he wearing that black suit? How is he wearing it inside of me? Uh, uh, are those fucking tentacles on his back? Yeah, she had a potty mouth. No, of course that's all nonsense. Thunderman was born on June 10th, 2009, and he was born on the internet. June 9th, 2009, no Slenderman. No boogeyman so real. Two young girls in Wisconsin uh, would try and sacrifice their young friend to earn entry into his mystical kingdom. And we know exactly who created Slenderman. Even if we don't know much about him, some random dude from Chicago named Eric Knudsen on June 10th, 2009, uh, submitted some pictures to an online Photoshop competition to see who could create the best mythological monster on a website called uh, Something Awful. Now, Something Awful is a comedic message board-based uh, site and community hub where its users can post comedic artic- articles, uh, pictures, GIFs, create or add to various comedic threads, etc., uh, there's sections for video games, places for people to post fan fiction, all kinds of stuff. Uh, today, when I checked out the site, there were popular uh, threads titled, I got rejected as a potential roommate because of classism. Advice? Graphics cards. Uh, graphics card overheated because the fans stopped working. How fucked am I? And uh, Vegan Cafe charges customer 18% man tax to address the gender gap. I got rejected because of classism. Seriously. I don't know this person. I don't know anything about their situation. I didn't read the thread. But this sounds like some bullshit to me. I feel like they got rejected because their potential roommate realized they were the kind of super annoying person who would claim they would get rejected because of classism. Uh, Anyway, there are onion-type satirical articles, GIFs, memes. Users are encouraged to download and spread. Uh, Almost all the content appears to be user-generated. It looks like the site's creator or or someone the creator has hired, whatever their team probably curates the user-generated content. Uh, and you have to pay, uh, be a paid member to ha- have access to a lot of it. And, and for years, one popular section of the site has been Photoshop Friday. Every Friday, a new topic is posted for users to try and outdo each other for the best, you know, Photoshopped picture uh, regarding that topic. Like, like last week was uh, Remorseful Hitman Kid Back for One Last Hit. And you click on that link and you see a thread where various users have taken some pic of a kid, two or three years old, who's crying while looking down and <laughs> holding his left hand above his eyes. It really is a pretty funny meme pick. It's it's odd in that it's how it's not how like a young kid usually cries. It's like how an adult in a movie cries, like a tough guy who just finally breaks down after the battle, you know. And 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 the running joke with this image is that uh, this become a meme is that this little kid's a hitman and he feels terrible for what he's done and he's, you know he's having some remorse. And people have photoshopped the remorse for a little dude into various scenarios. Uh, he's being arrested by a SWAT team. He's on the Doom video game cover. His, uh, his shadow pops up uh, behind the woman who's famously killed in the shower in the movie Psycho. I like it. It's, 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 I love a good meme. And and, uh, and if you don't understand why a young kid crying is funny, you need to spend more time around young kids. It's very funny. Some people are like, oh, it's so mean. Why are you laughing at this young kid crying? Two, two-year-olds cry approximately five to 20 times a day over some bullshit. Stuff like they wanted one piece of cheese, and when you gave them two pieces of cheese, and instead of just being cool and saying, oh, I only need one, thank you, you can take this back, they start bawling, and they tell you that you've ruined everything when you gave them that second piece of cheese. That second piece of cheese ruined their whole fucking life. A- after uh, being around uh, that for a few months or a few years, you stop feeling bad for them. You know, when they cry, you stop feeling bad real quick. Kids in general, constantly crying over some nonsense. It's, it's hilarious. Just, why are you so upset, buddy? Did your whole family just die? Did you just find out you have two months to live? No? Oh, you, you thought you wanted the Happy Meal uh, toy that you got, but now you wish you would have gotten a, a different toy. That, that's why your cheeks are red and puffy from crying? That's, that's why snot is literally running down your lip into your mouth? 
uh, well, we can fix this in one of two ways. Plan A, uh, you can quietly go lay down for a nap. Or plan B, you can cry yourself to sleep. Going to go for plan B? Okay, sounds about right. Uh, you're lucky you're cute. It's, it's quite literally your only redeeming quality. Uh, so, and, and I'll post some pictures uh, of this little uh, meme on the site if you're curious here. Um, anyways, something awful, popular site. Popular enough to launch a, a viral new meme out into the rest of the web. It's, it's had such a documented impact on digital culture that the Library of Congress, American Folklife Center, maintains a digital archive of its contents. Well, back in 2009, there was a thread situation similar to Remorseful Hitman Kit going on where users were trying to outdo one another in creating a new Photoshop boogeyman. Like basically, can you can you create a new monster? And, and some guy, this Eric Knudsen, who from what little info I could find is around 35 now living in Florida with his wife and young kid, he created Slenderman single-handedly. Uh, I'm going to post the very first pic of Slenderman, the pic that gave him virtual life, onto the episode description with the other picture I just, I just said at timesuckpodcast.com. And, and before we discuss that further, I, I want to say uh, Time Suck is brought to us today by Chubbies. How awesome of a name is that? Chubbies. Ch- Chubbies. I love that name so much. It brings such a smile to my face. Where do you get those shorts, Chubbies? Ch- what? Where? It's just, it's just like it intrigues you. It's a great name for a company. Chubbies is the best name for the best brand in the men's pool and beach game. Still wearing those baggy-ass board shorts you've had since 1992? Still wearing Speedos like you're living in South Europe? 1998. Why don't you throw that shit in the trash? All right. You need a swimwear update. You need a fashion update in general. If you're wearing that kind of stuff, you need to join the swim trunk revolution today with a fresh pair of chubbies. Again, I just, I smile every time I say it. I just got the neon lights, uh, seven inch inseam swim trunks, uh, from chubbies and they're so dope. No one even notices my sad dad bod gut right now that I'm trying to work on kind of seriously. They're awesome. Really, really cool swim trunks. Uh, join me and get some, or, or grab the uh, the midshipman design. That's what I'm getting next. Uh, I really like. I like a lot of their designs, and they have m- much so much more than swim trunks. Uh, tank tops, short sleeve shirts, long sleeve shirts. You know, everyday shorts, and it's not just men's clothing. I know we got a lot of got a lady listeners. Well, they got some hot lady shorts. Uh, they got some hot lady shirts, and they got some hot lady swimsuits. I didn't know if I could go high enough for that. All in the very cool, very casual, chubby style. Uh, looks, looks great. They got their own look for sure. So go to chubbies.com slash time suck today to get free two day shipping on your order. Free two day shipping at chubbies getting chubby so quick. That's chubbies. C H U B B I E S.com slash time suck to get your chubbies in just two business days. Chubbies.com slash time suck. Okay. So let's talk about that first Slenderman pick the birth of a monster. Uh, Eric posted a super creepy and unnerving picture of a group of young teenagers on the Something Awful uh, thread there who looked to be at some type of like summer camp and based on their clothes and hairstyles, looks like a picture from uh, early to mid-80s. They're on a dirt road with a dark, spooky forest behind them. Got some sort of cabin back in the woods behind them. 10, 12 kids in the photo all walking towards the camera. Some boy about 12, 13. You know, he's in the, he's in the forefront of the picture, all just chocked full of teen angst looking into the camera. Yeah, you know, he's he's pissed. He's just whatever girl he likes probably has a crush on some jock he can't stand, some fucking cool guy named Chad or Chase or Todd. And his parents totally understand they did or his parents don't understand anything he's into. He hates summer camp. You know, he never wanted to, you know, be there in the first place. He wanted to hang out with his buddy Steve and play ping pong and Atari Chopper Command in the basement and check out his, his Steve's, you know, dad's penthouse stash. And summer camp is, is ruining his whole fucking life. He can't take it anymore. He has that kind of expression, that kind of, you know, teen angst expression. It's a black and white photo 
uh, bit washed out, heavy on contrast, white's too white, dark's too dark, focus isn't great. All in all, perfect photo for a creepy photo contest. The rest of the kids don't look terribly happy. A few seem surprised, maybe even alarmed. There is kind of a sense of alarm there in the photo. Uh, you take away Slenderman, and the photo is just eerie by itself. You know, I'm guessing Eric uh, adjusted the contrast and saturation levels, played with it quite a bit to get it just right. It makes you want to understand, like, where it was taken and of who, who are these kids, where are they, why is no one smiling? I'm guessing another kid in, in, like, the real, for the real photo probably just took the photo. You know, some candid photo that half the kids in the photo didn't realize was even being taken, and the other half were mildly annoyed that it was being taken. Like, dude, stop taking pictures. And then the back of the photo, you notice Nimrod, his fiery eyes burning bright, and he's eating one of the children. He's eating Chad because Chad refused to stomp that cocker spaniel skull and pay tribute to the god of time, Zack. Lord of curiosity, master of Bojangles. Weird Sasquatch chubacabra space thingy who has a strange hatred of cute little dogs that makes no sense to me whatsoever. Why puppies? Why is that his method of proving allegiance? Because even monsters generally love puppies. So it's arguably the hardest non-human creature to kill in increasing the magnitude of the, of the sacrifice. No, you don't notice Nimrod. Uh, you notice a, a different strange creature, a slender humanoid shape. I found it pretty quick, but only because I knew what I was looking for. Uh, I could see it surprising people. When you zoom in, it appears to be a faceless man, a, a not-quite-human man with a blank space where his, his face should be, arms way too long. He's very skinny. He's maybe wearing kind of a black suit, very dark kind of body, dark clothing of some kind for sure. Uh, and again, uh, intentionally unfocused, hard to define. And the photo was captioned with, we didn't want to go. We didn't want to kill them, but its persistent silence and outstretched arms horrified and comforted us at the same time. Yee. Then it says, 1983, photographer unknown, presumed dead. Well, there you go. That is creepy. Well done. Well, well done with the creeps there, Eric. Jesus. We didn't want to, but we did. The strange hypnotic entity scared the hell out of us and made us think everyone would be okay if we just killed the kids. That's a solid monster. That's going to keep a kid up at night. That's going to keep some adults up at night. In an online interview from October 20th, 2011, Eric said regarding Slender Man's creation that he was mostly influenced by H.P. Lovecraft, Stephen King, specifically his short stories, the surreal imaginings of William S. Burroughs, and uh, a couple games of the survival horror genre, Silent Hill and Resident Evil. I feel the most direct influences were Zach Parsons, The Insidious Beast, the Stephen King short story, The Mist, and... Uh, a tale regarding the rake, reports of so-called shadow people, Mothman, and the mad glasser of Mattoon. I use these to formulate something whose motivations can barely be comprehended and causes general unease and terror in a general population. Well, Eric immediately uploaded a second photo, uh, this one of kids on a playground. In this photo, a picture that also has kind of a mid-80s vibe, the subject of the photo is a young girl, roughly kindergarten age, climbing up to the back, uh, climbing up the back of a slide. Two other little girls run underneath the slide, and several other kids are in the background in the shade of a large uh, tree. Uh, the ones in the background are gathered around Bill Cosby, of all people. Sure, he looks like a harmless dad, sweater hanging out, uh, handing out some Jello pudding pops, but can you really trust him? No. No, of course it wasn't Bill Cosby. I'll stop for a bit. Uh, in that, in that same, it's that same unfocused Slender Man from the first pick. He's hanging out in the background, got some kids gathered around him. Same eerily faceless man, only this time you can see him a little bit better because uh, where Slender Man is located in the photo, there's a lighter sky behind him. He pops out a little more clearly from the background. Notice a little more details about him. He seems to have some sort of tentacles emanating from his back. Uh, he's still wearing something dark. Definitely appears to be, you know, a suit probably. Uh, and again, he's in the background and out of focus. You know, you try and zoom in and everything gets real grainy real quick. 
And this photo is also stamped with a seal of, so of sorts, encircled with the words, City of Sterling Libraries Local Studies Collection. The caption reads, One of two recovered photographs from the Sterling City Library blaze. Notable for being taken the day in which 14 children vanished, and for what is referred to as the Slender Man. Fire at library occurred one week later. Actual photograph confiscated as evidence. 1986. Photographer Mary Thomas, missing since June 13th, 1986. Creepy. Again. You know what? I know all this shit is fake, and I just got fucking goosebumps. <laughs> That's so weird. I really did just get, after reading that, goosebumps. Uh, and, I, and I know it's fake. I mean, I'm reading about how he made it up. So two photos, two missing and presumed dead photographers, classic creepy stuff. And just like that, we have the origins of a monster. Well, Eric returns to the forum the next day with more, you know, quote-unquote evidence of Slenderman. He's still single-handedly building the mythology at this point. He posts a fictional doctor's note that recounts several alleged Slenderman victims from the 1990s. Fake doctor's note. Brilliant touch. Uh, here's what he says. 52495. Wilkes Estate. One subject reported nothing out of the ordinary before taking photograph. Lower stairs area was said to be very dark. Subject states that dark, that after, excuse me, the camera flash, she heard a sound like a watermelon being unable to understand subject. 5, 25, 93, subject unable to recall events after manner, power failure. Unable to question other two identified subjects. Camera and film acquired from Gloria Creedy, current resident of Woodview Mental Hospital and Psychological Rehabilitation Clinic. Film mostly uncontaminated despite massive blood and human tissue present on camera. No positive ID on anomalous tall and slender subject. Facial blur caused by possible contamination. 6793. Early digital analysis indicates tall subject may have no eyes. Anomalies previously thought to be film errors and flash artifacts now thought to be appendages. 61093. Final identified subject reported missing along with other 33 patients and staff of Woodview Mental Hospital and Psychological Rehabilitation Clinic, South Wing. 6. 1893. Further inquiry to cease immediately. Yeah! <laughs> so Victor Surge, uh, man, uh, a.k.a. Eric Knudsen, uh, yeah, he, he fucked around with this message, you know, June 11th. Ooh, around 5 o'clock, so the next day. Okay, so now Woodview Mental Hospital, uh, just to be clear, doesn't exist. And from what I can find online, no library in a town called Sterling City. There is a Sterling City, California, very small little town, uh, ever burned down. And definitely didn't burn down with kids inside. But that doesn't stop a myth like this from growing. It adds to it. Of course you can't find info on these incidents. It's a big cover-up. The vague details are a nice touch. Uh, allows other people to add their own mental details, you know, fill, fill in the blank spaces, take ownership. Let's the monster be slightly uh, different things to different people. All you really know about this fucker is that he doesn't have a face. He's really thin. He wears a black suit. For some reason, he has tentacles. And when he shows up, kids go missing and people die. Yikes. Uh, June 12th, 2009, the monster really begins to take on some life of its own. Right now, other users start to build Slender Man's mythology. It's out of the box now. Out of user, uh, you know, Eric Knudsen, a.k.a. Victor Surge's hands. Belongs to the internet. Another user adds a story to the thread, kicking it off with, I've been seriously debating sharing these, but after Victor Surge's post, I feel I have to. Uh, the user then recounts a case of missing teens who vanished while camping, claiming he was given a photo of the Slender Man by his uncle, a police officer still vexed by the incident years later. The photo has since been removed. 
but it led the way for multiple users to formulaically add on to the mythos. Uh, stories of elementary school fires, missing children continue to pour into the very same thread that housed Newton's original meme. One user references Slenderman having some sort of pet, some sort of hellhound, dark, ominous, a beast who will maul and devour uh, a child as soon as it will protect one. Mysterious, terrifying, strangely appealing. Uh, the name written on the thread is Bojangles, supernatural beast able to mold itself to any and all narratives. And one photo, Bojangles appears on a leash, being taken on a walk by one man, the only man the Slender Man fears, Michael motherfucking McDonald, Triple M, man, myth, musical, goddamn Grammy-winning genius. Okay, seriously, I really am done with that nonsense for a bit. Okay, so within 10 days, the Slender Man creature has already moved on to uh, YouTube, on June 20th, three college film students, Troy Wagner, Joseph DeLang, Tim Sutton, uh, released the first in a series of short videos depicting Slenderman in the style of kind of like the Blair Witch Project, which uh, that movie kind of gets shit on now. I saw it when it came out in the theater because I'm, uh, I'm older than some of you listeners. And, you know, like when it was novel, when the found footage movie was novel and you, and you hadn't seen anything like it and there was all this hype around it, like, oh, my, is this like a, a real thing that happened? They really did find this footage. It was scary as hell. Scary as hell. Okay. Um, we had these short videos, you know, further shaping Slenderman's foreboding legend. And the film's a supernatural monster, tall, skinny, faceless humanoid with the ability to distort film footage starts disrupting a student's attempt to film his class project titled Marble Hornets. According to the series, a classmate later discovers the footage after the student becomes increasingly unwell, obsessed with the version of Slenderman he calls The Operator. The film's captions explain how the person who captured this footage is now seriously mentally disturbed. Over the next year, Marvel Hornets uh, releases a total of 97 videos. That's a lot of Slenderman. Well, I didn't watch all 97 because that's 96 too many Slenderman videos for me in this series. I did look up the first video, though. It has over 6 million views. Uh, unfortunately, comments have been disabled, uh, or I would have dug through them for this week's Idiots on the Internet, or of the Internet. <laughs> idiots of the Internet. Oh, well, plenty of other comment sections and threads to suck on for that. Uh, the first Slenderman video is only 47 seconds long. Starts with a black screen, titled with entry number one. Then the text changes to, after viewing a couple tapes and finding nothing unusual, I came across a clip that doesn't fit in with the others. Then it changes again to, from what I can tell, the following footage takes place inside Alex's house, not the set for Marvel's Hornets. And then it changes one more time to, the audio has been removed. Either the microphone was disabled at the time or it was taken out afterwards. Finally, 21 seconds in, the video footage starts to play. It looks like someone carrying a video camera around their house after forgetting to turn it off at first. Unintentional filming kind of kind of vibe. It's frantic, you know, bouncing around quickly, point at the floor, point at the ceiling, that sort of thing. And then you realize someone's running with it, someone who starts to look outside a window with it, filming the front porch of the house the filmmaker is inside, one story below. It's dark out, porch lights on. You don't see anything at first. For just a second, the camera looks out into the perfectly still figure of Slenderman. He's on the porch. As you kind of pan to the right, you see him. The camera holds on him for a second. The faceless man in the black suit with the arms too long suddenly starts to turn just his face towards the camera after a little beat, and then the camera quickly shifts away, the cameraman hiding behind the curtain in the wall. Then the video cuts back to black, and text once again fills the center of the screen. This was the only thing that was out of ordinary on this particular tape. And then it shifts to, after seeing this clip, I'll keep an eye out for occurrences similar to this one in the future. And that's it. Just 14 seconds of actual footage. Just enough to make a bunch of kids go, what the fuck? Oh, oh my God, is that real? I think that was real. That's so creepy, you guys. That's totally real. By the end of the month, this image of the man 
clad in the dark suit with the long arms, has gone viral. Lands on popular paranormal message boards, you know, like 4chan, uh, another message board uh, platform full of user-generated content. The, the first 4chan mention of Slenderman reportedly occurred on June 24th, 2009, and, uh, and a surge of user-created photos and Slenderman fan art begins to dominate the forum. The tall, faceless monster has gone from a, an admittedly manipulated Photoshop image to a budding internet sensation. His mythical likeness starts to appear quickly on other horror forums and meme generators like uh, Unifiction, Fangoria, DeviantArt, uh, Mythical Creatures Guide, and then some users even began to suggest that Slenderman existed far before Knudsen. Eric Knudsen claimed to have made him up and insists that the story actually dates back to German folklore, like ancient folklore. By early, two, by early 2010, other popular Slenderman-focused web series are being created. By 2011, Slenderman shows up in the enormously popular game Minecraft, especially popular at that time. He arrives as Enderman, a dude with a very similar name. Very similar and a very similar look. Enderman, just like Slenderman, is dark and mysterious with elongated arms. Clearly not a coincidence. And and, and the web picks up on this. <laughs> I'm sure the Minecraft people just, I don't know, just didn't want to be sued. And they just made the slightest tweak to him. But it's clearly Slenderman. I actually bought my uh, son Kyler an Enderman stuffed toy he wanted when he was way into Minecraft. He slept with it for a while. I had no idea about its evil Slenderman origins. If Kyler ever hears this episode, guess an Enderman is going to be a goner. He's going to be kicked out of the room permanently if he's even still around now, uh, you know, so far. Uh, by 2012, Slenderman is a star of his own survival horror games, uh, you know, games like Slender, The Eight Pages, a game that was downloaded so many times, millions and millions of times, it crashed his creator's website. And, uh, and so by this point, it's truly become a web phenomenon, lightning in a bottle. But as I'm reading this, I'm starting to wonder, you know, why? Why this creature? Why not some other creature? Why not some other monster from that thread that day? Why, why did Slenderman go viral? Numerous other mythical monsters, uh, you know, created and posted about it every day by somebody. Something awful and similar sites have numerous uh, other user-generated monsters being created all the time. Many monsters, you know, with their own backstories, fans creating pictures and true tales. Why did Slenderman go so much more viral than the others? Well, using Google, Google Scholar, a great search engine for academic articles, by the way, that my sister actually tipped me off to, uh, you just Google Google Scholar is the easiest way to find it. And, and I found an interesting academic study on the creation of Slenderman on a site called comsoda.com, and they explain how he was built to go viral. It's an interesting examination into why monsters scare us. And before we examine it, let's check in with our final sponsor today. Time Suck Today is brought to us by Bombfell. Guys, do you hate shopping for clothes? Yeah, me too. I hate it so much. But I do love getting awesome clothes. This is where Bombfell comes in. Bombfell is an online personal styling service that helps men find the right clothes specifically for them. You don't just get what every other dude is getting that month in some kind of, you know, box. You don't, that's not what it is. You don't have to worry about walking into a bar and seeing someone else with the exact same outfit you have. Unlike other services, there are no fees to work with, so it costs nothing to sign up. Bombfell is simple and straightforward. All you have to do is complete a questionnaire, and a dedicated personal stylist will handpick pieces specifically for you. Then once you've viewed your selections, you have uh, 48 hours to make you know more changes or even cancel. You're in total control. You only pay for the clothes you keep. Plus, uh, you have the option of receiving clothes you know, once uh, every, you know, once a month, once every two months, once every three months, Bombfell doesn't make money if you don't find something you want to keep. Uh, with my first shipment, I got a pair of Big Star Archetype Blue Denim Slim Jeans. Not hipster slim, not hipsters, just like fitted, you know, slim, big boy, daddy wants to look nice slim, uh, and they're awesome. I got a Descendants of Thieves, a sick t-shirt, I got a, a Jeremiah Fillmore reversible plaid shirt, all picked out by my stylist, Jasmine. Uh, Jasmine walked my dumbass through an incredibly easy online shopping experience. Uh, I, you know, I say online shopping, I didn't even do the shopping. You just fill out your, like your sizes and your, and your general kind of vibe of how you like to dress. And that's it. It took just like a couple minutes. And then I just got an email from Jasmine saying like, Hey, what do you think of this shit? 
except she didn't say it in those words, uh, you know, because the people at Bombfell are more professional <laughs> than me uh, with their choice of language. Um, yeah, and it was great, you know. Uh, so easy. I never screamed at my laptop once, which is rare for me, you know. And then I needed to get a different size uh, flannel when mine, mine came, and that was super easy. I put the XL that Jasmine sent me that I, that I had asked for, uh, you know, in the included return bag, slapped on the included return label, dropped it off at FedEx. I'm way out to do some other errands. And then the new shirt was in my hands in two days. I love Bombfell, and you will too. Even Bojangles loves it. He stared at me with his one piercing eye when I tried, to, when I tried my stuff on, and when I asked him uh, how I looked, he howled, and then he winked at me. And then he didn't bite me. That's how I know he loves something when he doesn't, when I, when he doesn't bite me, when I don't get attacked. And then he told me he wanted some Bombfell clothes. And I told him, sorry, buddy, they don't make clothes for dogs. And then he shit on the floor, and then he left the room. You know what? Oh, well, Bojangles can't wear Bombfell, but you can. And now, here's the best part. The Time Suck discount, the exclusive Time Suck discount. Time Suckers get a special offer of $25 off of your first purchase when you go to bombfell.com slash timesuck. That's bombfell, B-O-M-B-F-E-L-L dot com slash timesuck. B-O-M-B-F-E-L-L dot com slash timesuck. The link will be in the episode description. All right, so check it out. Okay, now back to why Slenderman is particularly scary. Uh, first, the blurriness and ambiguity of Slenderman is important to think about. Uh, a crisp, focused, completely defined image is going to draw more criticism. You know, it's, it's easier to point out flaws, you know, if, if the details are very crisp. It's easier to say, like, well, that looks a little photoshopped. No, that, that face doesn't look real to me. You know, easier to kind of pick it apart. So the blurriness of Slenderman, you know, uh, helps kind of make it scary and also draws us into the initial photos, especially, you know, uh, Slenderman is not only blurry, he's virtually camouflaged by his surroundings, forcing the kind of the viewer into an uncomfortable close examination of the photo, leading to the startle of finding him. One researcher suggests this visceral element of the Slenderman discovery experience engenders him to the human psyche in a way that is organic and primal, generating an unnameable fear that endures long past the cognition of his mundane origins. Right? We know he's been created for, the, for a contest of sorts. We know that. We've read that in the thread. We know that logically. But the pictures still scare the shit out of us. The fear, very real. You know, it's kind of like a, a really well-done horror film. You know it's fake. You know it was shot on some studio lot, you know, or at least by some, some Hollywood types. You know, you know it's actors, a crew. But when it's done really well, you still walk out of that theater into the nighttime air uh, a little fucking unhinged. Right? When you're walking in that poorly lit parking garage... You hear something out in the distance, you kind of wonder if it's one of the monsters you just saw in the movies, you know, in the back of your mind. So while you may know that Slenderman is not real, the terror he has created, very real. Uh, other users of the initial Something Awful thread then use the ambiguity of Slenderman to interpret their own Slenderman backstory, further cementing his mythic reality. They start posting various, you know, facts to build his backstory. In folklore terms, the creation of facts to explain an existing artifact or proof is referred to as reverse ostension. Ostention defined as a noun, meaning an act or process of showing, pointing out, or exhibiting. So the Slenderman mythos exists almost entirely through this practice. In rapid succession, following the original somethingawful.com postings, uh, the Slenderman form community created a monster derivative of all monsters. They created ties to 16th century German and ancient Egypt even, uh, legends dating back to 5000 BC. So yeah, it went even back before the German folklore apparently. Uh, all these details and historical facts pointed out by so many different users create a feeling that the thing must somehow actually be real or that at least people have thought it has been real for centuries. Pretty fucking genius, really, the way the users created this thing. It reminds me of a, of a good game of improv. If you're unfamiliar with improv, the most important rule is the yes and, right? Essentially, uh, whatever reality another player creates, you take it and you run with it. You add to it, you don't negate it. If someone is like, hey, do you want to buy this apple? 
You know, you say something like, sure, that's the yes part. And then, do you mind giving me the part without the worm peeking out of it, the one looking at me there? That's the and part. You've added a worm to it. But the apple is, you know, you've affirmed, uh, you know, it. Uh, you take what they've given you and you build on it. You don't, you don't say something like, what are you, what are you talking about? You don't have an apple. You, you know, you, you pile of shit. You, now stop talking to me. I don't know. You, police, this, this asshole's bothering me. That's a dick improv move. You know, you're either really, really bad at improv or you're really, really good working with a fellow improv genius who also knows how to play with broken rules. Well, the users uh, uh, took Eric's initial Slenderman qualities of no face, long arms, slender, you know, body, dark suit, involved in the disappearance of children, strange tentacles emanating from its back. It's involved somehow in people's death. It's involved in a feeling of dread, but it's also a possible comforter of children involved in psychological harm, you know, silent. And they went, yes, they went, yes, to all that. And they decided to go and, and they let their thread become this monster incubator, you know, adding new stories to him, new evidence of his reality, growing this monster fetus, getting it bigger and badder and stronger before birthing it and releasing it to the rest of the internet world. And then when it does get released to the world and begins to go viral, thanks partly to good old fashioned, you know, luck and timing, other people start to realize there's money to be made off Slenderman. Books are written, games developed, indie films made, costumes, clothes, toys. You can buy Slenderman Ouija board on Amazon. Now it's a true cultural phenomenon, right? Uh, kids can, you know, touch and hold Slenderman things. Products further cement his reality. If you can buy a Slenderman book and shirt and watch and movie, you know, and you can play a game in addition to reading all this new folklore, which now includes Slenderman's ancient origin. It must be real, right? And eventually, this creature does become all too real in many people's minds. Check out this definition someone threw up in 2010 in Yahoo Answers in response to the question, who is Slenderman? This is what they say. The Slenderman is a supernatural creature that is described as appearing as a normal human being, but he's described as being eight feet tall and he has vectors or extra appendages that are described to be as sharp as swords. The creature is known to stalk humans and cause many disappearances. He is described as a shadow creature that is missing a face. The creature fits into many mythologies and legends from nations such as Germany and Celts, which bring up the possibility that he could be real. A man named Victor Serge found this legend and made his own version of it, which he called Slenderman. The Slenderman is not exactly evil, according to mythology, but Victor Serge's version shows him as an evil creature that stalks humans to kill. In mythology, he was actually trying to save you from a painful death by taking you to the underworld early. Personally, I believe he is real, but not Victor Serge's version. The problem is figuring out what came from mythology and what was made up for entertainment. The Slenderman has become an internet meme, and there have been many sightings of him watching people outside of their house. The photoshopped images of the Slenderman kind of turned it into a game, like can you see him because he is hidden in the background of every picture. I believe in him, but you have to remember that Slenderman is Victor Serge's fake version. But the one I believe in is the one from mythologies in history. Hope this helped, and don't dismiss this as fake, because he could be real. How crazy is that shit? We know for sure that this son of a bitch was invented. No one. I mean, not one fucking single person ever talked about Slenderman before 2009. He is for sure not from ancient German mythology. He is not from ancient Egyptian, you know, mythology. But this Yahoo user is clearly 100% convinced that he is. What a fascinating mental pivot, you know, because the mythology built around Eric's original creation, people now recognize Eric's photos as fake, but the monster's real, right? <laughs> I mean, this makes me kind of wonder how real are Nimrod and Bojangles? Did I, did I make them up? Did I? Or did I conjure up the essence of a god and his three-legged, one-eyed pit bull servant that were already in existence? Hmm, 
Not even, not sure I uh, even know the answer to that one. <laughs> it's getting weird. All this Slender Man mythology is messing my brain up. You know, it's like that, that is such an interesting thought. Like, well, yeah, I mean, he said he made Slender Man up, but, you know, that's not true. Slender Man was already around. You know, he's been around since the beginning of time. Wake up, dude. It's all there in the ancient German books that Slender Man himself destroyed to prevent us from reading about how to get rid of him. It's all part of his plan. Wow. Never ceases to amaze me how people are able to rationalize the factualness of whatever random idea they want to believe in. You know, cults, flat earth theory, insane conspiracies. You know, we talked about the lizard one earlier today. It all comes from the same type of brain function, I think. You know, that line of thinking where I think this is cool. I've decided this is real. This is this makes my reality more intense or whatever. I'm getting something out of it. Believing in this is very important to me. So I'm going to disregard any facts you throw my way that don't correspond to this predetermined narrative I've subscribed to. I think people do that in a lot of ways, actually. You know, uh, you know. Oh, does that have a liberal association? Well, then I don't buy it because I'm a conservative. That's who I am. Oh, is that some type of conservative line of thinking? Well, then I can't buy it because I'm so liberal. Is that conservative or liberal? Well, count me out, my friend, because I'm libertarian. Does that have any kind of meaning whatsoever? Well, fuck it then. I'm a nihilist. I never believe in value of anything, ever. <laughs> like We drop these strange lines regarding who we think we are and then become terrified to step outside of them, you know, because maybe it'll make us reconsider who we are. Maybe we'll lose ourselves. Who am I if I don't believe in paranormal creatures? Who am I if I don't believe in Slender Man? You know, if he's not real, what else isn't real? You know, what, what community will I be a part of if this one rejects me, if I reject it? I don't know. Maybe I'm overthinking it, but I don't think so. Anyway, let's jump ahead to the spring of 2014 when Slenderman has always existed for almost five years now. When May of 2014 began, Morgan Geyser and Anissa Weir were two seemingly normal kids from Waukesha, Wisconsin. Were they the most popular kids in school? No. Uh, were they carrying their soccer and, you know, softball teams on their, on their future scholarship winning all-star athletic shoulders and backs? No. No, they were pretty average 12-year-olds. You know, they had social problems, they had quirks. Uh, one had, at the time, an undiagnosed mental illness. They had somewhat uh, atypical home lives. Morgan's parents have had an erratic pattern of employment. Uh, her mom, Angie, was laid off from her job at a hospital. Her dad, uh, Matt, receives government assistance for mental illness. Uh, when Matt was a teenager, he was hospitalized for a schizophrenic break. Morgan's dark imagination can seem disconcerting. Uh, to tour the Facebook pages of both girls' parents is to find oneself immersed in metal music, fairy paintings. You know, M Morgan's home does seem to have uh, had an especially kind of gothic-type flavor. One of her uh, dad's alleged uh, email usernames was I Love Evil, uh, at least according to English newspaper The Daily Mail. Uh, his Instagram handle was deadboy420. <laughs> and on the feed, uh, he posted along with family pictures, brass knuckles, tipped with skulls, uh, skull and crossbones birthday card he sent his wife. Just two months before the stabbing, Matt proudly uh, posted a drawing Morgan made of Slender Man. Only Mogo draws Slender Man in crayon on a napkin when we were out to dinner. So uh, the year before meeting Morgan, uh, Anissa's parents had gotten divorced. She was still reeling, feeling depressed. She was having a hard time adjusting to her new reality, maybe a little more prone than the typical kid to immerse herself in some sort of escapist fantasy. Uh, Nisa's mother, Christy, worked a night shift. Nisa told police and would uh, pick her up at the bus stop after school, keep her until William, Anissa's father, came uh, to get her after his work. Psychologists who have testified on Anissa's behalf say her parents were well-meaning but had no idea what kind of trouble she was in. They were kind of just off dealing with their own shit. So, you know, Morgan and Anissa weren't being raised in a non-divorce household where one parent stays home and is always available to talk about feelings and the other parent has a great job and the family never worries about money and mommy and daddy never fight. But how many kids are raised in that type of home? All right? Morgan's parents are a little goth. They're a little into weird shit. Okay, so are about a million other parents in the Pacific Northwest alone. All right? Uh, and those kids haven't tried sacrificing their friend to an internet boogeyman. 
Uh, you could find some version of both Morgan and Anissa, you know, uh, Anissa at any school in America. Maybe that's what's so scary about them. They could be anywhere. They could be you. Could be your kid. Could be your kid's friend. And like most kids, they happen to be really into something. And this thing happened to be online monsters, one of which was Slenderman. Each girl was obsessed with the pantheon of imaginary creatures. Their friendship was built in part on a mutual love of tales of demons, uh, supernatural evil. Morgan, in particular, had a very rich fantasy life. Voldemort, Snape, you know, villains from the Harry Potter, uh, you know, were especially real to her. Uh, Anissa loved a website called Creepypasta where she found Slenderman. But also found uh, Zalgo, a super evil entity, and Jeff the Killer, an ever-smiling ghoul, said to be based on an actual child murderer. Uh, it was Jeff's realness, his news accounts on Creepypasta, establishing his bona fides, that made her think the Slender Man might actually exist. You know, and I get it. I get it. I used to be into uh, stuff as a kid. I always had a crazy imagination. I remember being really into baseball cards, you know, uh, like really into them for several years. Constantly organizing, reorganizing them, reading and rereading the stats on the back of them. Anxious that a careless friend might smudge one uh, corner you know, a slightly bend it, you know, taking my mint card down to, to near mint or, or even the dreaded excellent or very good status, ruining his value. I was super into basketball for a while, subscribed to Sports Illustrated, covered my walls with Michael Jordan, Carl Malone posters, shot hoops every day, worked on my jump shot, you know, worked on my left hand, laying in, <laughs> laying in bed, passing a basketball towards the ceiling over and over, working on my two-handed chess pass form. Yeah, if I don't actually practice more with other people instead of just uh, you know practicing by myself like a weird antisocial loner, uh, I might, might have gotten pretty good at basketball. You know, I see my own kids obsess over stuff. My daughter, you know, only cared about Shopkins for about six months. Uh, my son only cared about football cards last spring. You know, yeah. When I I would talk to him, you know, he wouldn't be listening. I'm like, dude, can you, are you thinking about football cards right now? Stop for a second. He'd be like, oh, okay, yeah. You know, he he knew I was right. You know, before that, it was Legos. Always something. Pokemon cards, PlayStation 4, Minecraft, something. And for for Morgan and Anissa, you know, Anissa, uh, that obsessive... Sorry, I keep messing up her name because it's pronounced Anissa. It's spelled Anissa. Fucking hate that about people's names. You know, when parents are like, um, well, I'm going to spell this name this way. I'm going to spell it as Kim, but I want it pronounced Michelle. Okay? Because that's fucking my choice because I'm a shithead. <laughs> uh, for Morgan and Anissa, uh, yeah, became Slenderman. You know, they were way, way into Slenderman. You know, he was their favorite monster. Anissa first encountered uh, Slenderman as a secondary character in, 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 in a Minecraft video. And then another kid told her about the website, you know, Creepypasta, and she found him there. Creepypasta, it's a site for paranormal creatures and folklore and the fans who love it. Fans who can write about their favorite creatures and have their work reviewed by other fans. And Anissa, uh, by her own parents' admission, I, I learned a lot about these girls and their families on the watching the fantastic HBO documentary Beware the Slenderman. Uh, she spent more on, time online than the average 12-year-old. Again, her parents are off dealing with their own shit, and she's just kind of on the iPad all the time. Uh, she wasn't well-liked by her classmates. Her teacher said she was you know, uh, kind of alone in school, bullied quite a bit, uh, cried weekly, didn't have any friends there. And then she met Morgan. Morgan lived in the same apartment complex Anissa did. They met at a bus stop at the beginning of the new school year, fall of 2013. And then by October, Anissa introduced her new friend Morgan to Slenderman. And the two bonded over their obsession with dark and scary creatures on the ride to and from school. Morgan also didn't have many friends. She was a bit uh, uh, socially odd or off. She was, uh, you know, uh, a bit of a loner outside of Anissa. And her mom revealed during the documentary that while Morgan was a good kid, uh, you know, the parents had concerns about her. Like they were worried about her ability to empathize and have compassion. She didn't seem to experience normal emotions. Uh, they used this example of watching the movie Bambi when she was real little. In the cartoon, if you haven't seen it, Bambi's mom gets shot by a hunter. Bambi's running away. It's a very sad scene, sad music, you know, makes people, a lot of people cry. Well, not Morgan. She didn't get sad. She just kind of screamed, run, Bambi, it's too late for your mom, you know, kind of thing. And Morgan's mom was, you know, a little uh, worried by that, worried about, you know, some possible sociopathic type tendencies. And, 
<laughs> you know, uh, she, it turns out she does uh, not have sociopathic tendencies. She has been tested now that she's been arrested, uh, but she does have paranoid schizophrenia. More on how that particular mental illness plays into the story in a bit. So Anissa starts to believe, based on everything she's been reading on Creepypasta and other sites she's been visiting, that Slenderman is totally real, which may sound crazy, but I get, but I get, I get it. I do get it. When I was 12, I read Stephen King's It, and I started to actually believe that Pennywise was real. It was like less, less fiction and more of a warning from, you know, Mr. King. And it was even easier for Anissa to believe in Slenderman than it was for me to believe in, you know, Stephen King and, and Pennywise because a lot of what she's reading is being labeled as true. And because technology is so much more advanced now, Anissa's also watching YouTube videos about how this, you know, uh, son of a bitch operates and he looks very real in some of these. Some of the, uh, you know, the CGI type effects are, are very impressive. And again, when I was 12, you know, I remember uh, a buddy and me convincing each other that some toddler was possessed by a demon. It's the craziest stuff you can think of at that age. I mean, I mean I, we really believe this. Seriously, my, uh, my buddy lived on this extreme Christian compound. Uh, we were talking a lot about the devil and demons in hell that day. Uh, he was on a real big kick at that stuff, about that stuff at the time, about how demons, you know, were living amongst us and trying to tempt us into sin and send our souls to hell. And he made a lot of convincing arguments, and I was sold on it that day. And I don't remember any of the arguments now, but I do remember just thinking he made up a lot of, you know, good points. And there were some other kids at the sleepover, and one was a little two-year-old running around, and he, just like a terrible twos-type toddler, you know, mean little kid, but like a normal mean little kid. Well, we interpreted his terrible two-ness uh, as him being possessed, actually possessed by a demon. We were, we were convinced to the point that we warned my friend's mom, who was not happy about it, uh, immediately yelled at us, just knock it off and go to bed. I'm sure she was not excited about the possibility of her friend, you know, hearing her son and her son's friend talk about this, uh, this, this little baby as being a demon. Uh, on a separate occasion around that time, I became convinced that I saw a demon in my mom's bathroom and the bathroom mirror staring back at me. It scared me enough, that, and I thought it was real for so long that mirrors creep me out to this day. Like when I get up to use the bathroom in whatever hotel I'm staying uh, alone at in the middle of the night, I make a conscious effort to this day to not look in the mirror ever. And a lot of times I feel like someone is fucking watching me. When I'm going to the bathroom, I feel like someone's watching me from the mirror. How creepy is that? It's terrible. I know it's not real. I know it isn't. But there's some part of me at 40 years old that doesn't, isn't quite convinced that it's not real. You know, in the middle of the night, some of the shit seems possible. Well, at 12, even easier to get super worked up. You know, uh, unlike, you know, how I hung out with my look at that demon baby friend for just kind of one sleepover, we were never actually consistently best buds. Anissa is hanging out with Morgan all the time. They're talking about this shit every day for months and months. You know, when she's not being a loner at school, she's reading about weird shit uh, about you know, Slenderman on Creepypasta and related sites. And she's talking to it with Morgan. And Morgan, as I said earlier, is uh, schizophrenic, you know, but no one knows this yet. But she is literally seeing shit that is not there. And after hearing about Slenderman nonstop from Anissa all the time, she's seen Slenderman. In her mind, she has seen this thing around. And because in addition to being schizophrenic, she's also 12 and easily influenced by her new friend, uh, she convinced herself that she's been seeing Slenderman her whole life. He's been hanging around in the background her whole life. And these two just go back and forth, feeding each other this Slenderman belief, reaffirming each other. They convince each other this monster is absolutely real. And then Anissa becomes convinced, based on some of the, you know, quote-unquote true stories out there about Slenderman, that if they kill somebody... A blood sacrifice, if they make a blood sacrifice to Slenderman to prove their worth, that she and Morgan could become his proxies, which I guess is a, a type of minion, uh, you know, in, in Slenderman mythology. You know, like the, some people believe that he's surrounded by these proxies, these former children who kind of are like his line of first defense for people trying to attack him. It's a bunch of weird shit. But Anissa and Morgan, uh, they, they told officers that according to this logic, Bella's death would, would earn them Slenderman's protection. 
and, and they would get to go live with Slenderman uh, in his mansion in the uh, uh, Chiguamagan Nicolay State Forest, uh, about a four or five hour drive from Waukesha. Uh, and they would, yeah, morph into these mini monsters. Uh, and it's kind of like the proxies are, it's, it's kind of like, um, oh, like how a, a master vampire can, can bite other, you know, humans and, and make these vampire, you know, make additional vampires. But those vampires are kind of like telepathically linked to him and a lot of vampiric mythology. It, it's similar to that. So you're like, you're, you're a, a mini slender man, basically, I guess. So, so why Bella? Why was Bella chosen to be killed? Well, basically she was a third wheel. Bella was apparently primarily Morgan's friend. She'd known Morgan uh, for a lot longer than she'd known Anissa. And she was socially higher functioning than, than either one of these girls. And here's where the details get a little murky because Morgan and Anissa told slightly different stories to the police about Bella. Morgan told detectives that Anissa thought Bella was a bitch. Uh, Anissa told detectives that it was Morgan's idea to have Bella be the blood sacrifice. Anissa told detectives that Morgan stabbed Bella, uh, which Morgan admitted she did. But Morgan said she did it only so she wouldn't lose Anissa as a friend. And she did it on uh, Anissa's request. Uh, you know, it was Anissa who insisted Bella be killed. I, I think Bella was chosen because she wasn't a big Slenderman believer like the other two girls. And because, you know, Anissa and Bella both, after watching their taped police confessions, really seemed to begin to believe that a blood sacrifice had to be made. And, you know, Bella was there. She was the only, you know, only other kid who played with them regularly. They had to do this. Bella happened to be the most convenient person to sacrifice. Uh, and, and they had also begun convincing themselves that if they didn't you know, present a blood sacrifice to Slenderman. Not only would they not get to be his proxies, but Slenderman would also kill them and their families. And while it doesn't excuse what they did, I do believe these girls believed all of this nonsense, especially Morgan. I think she really thought that sacrificing Bella would protect her and her family from Slenderman and allow her to be one of Slenderman's proxies, which I do realize is still super fucked up. Uh, I think Anissa believed it as well, but since she's not mentally ill, harder to excuse her actions, harder no matter what to excuse either one of their actions. Because here's the here's the thing I kept struggling with in this story. It, it's not like they believe stabbing Bella would, would also save Bella. And, and it's not like they believe sacrificing Bella would, would send Slenderman to hell or some shit to keep him away from other kids. Uh, whether they really did believe in Slenderman to the degree they claim or not, their intentions were definitely terrible. You know, yes, they talked a little bit about the fear of Slenderman killing their families, but they seemed way more excited about the uh, possibility to be a proxy. You know, so so they that means they believed that this thing is a, as a child killer and they wanted to be on a child killer's team and help kill children as well. Right. They wanted to be child killing minions. Considering Anissa was bullied and socially isolated at school, it's not hard to understand what may have been her real motivation. I think it's fucking revenge. She wanted just to, you know, hit back at the world. She wanted to, to kill a kid. Kids were mean to her. She wanted to kill one of them. It's fucking Jesus. And as extreme as this case is, uh, having a daughter does make it a little easier to understand. I don't know if you've ever spent time around a group of young girls, but thanks to my daughter Monroe, I have. And shit can get Lord of the Flies real quick. Schemes are hatched. Uh, troublemakers are identified and labeled as enemies, even if they're not actually troublemakers. Evil plans are concocted on a regular basis. <laughs> if I can, you know, it can get out of fast, out of hand real fast if you don't check in from time to time and figure out what's going on. I mean, the things I hear about, you know, from my wife when she's talking to like the other moms and stuff, these girls in school, it's like, God, there's always some fucking scheme. And, and while I'm not saying either girl's uh, parents, you know, were bad parents, in fact, they actually seem, you know, very caring and very normal in the documentary I watched, they also clearly weren't checking in with their kids like they probably should have been. You know, these girls have been planning on killing another kid to appease a monster for about six months. And yes, they were keeping it a secret, but, you know, they were also constantly on dark message boards. You know, uh, Morgan was constantly drawing some real dark shit. Uh, you know, they were truly worried about a monster killing him and killing their families. You know, they really, they wanted it, but they also love this monster. I mean, so many weird things going on and, and the parents were just oblivious to this, I guess the whole time. In Morgan's case, you know, the dad was shocked. His, his daughter was having delusions, even though he himself had had delusions as a kid. 
And, uh, you know, if, I feel like if I had had mental illness when I was a kid, I would at least check in, you know, once or twice to see if my kid was having something similar. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I wouldn't have caught on uh, to any of this either, to be totally honest. You know, I haven't walked in these parents' shoes. I don't know how hectic their lives were. I know the one side of Nisa's parents were going through, just gone through a divorce, working, you know, strange hours, you know, and, and, and I don't know how open to talking these two girls were with their parents. I'm, I'm lucky that way. My kids don't ever want to shut up about what, <laughs> what's bothering them. They're very comfortable airing out uh, any and all concerns. And, 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 you know, and they listen to a lot of these episodes, speaking of allowing your kids to listen to dark shit. So Kyler Monroe, if you two little suckers are listening, uh, don't keep any secrets from me. Seriously, I joke about it, about you telling me everything, but I love it. Uh, there's nothing you can't tell me. Uh, love you guys. So now, you know, a little, you know, more about Thunderman, And you know a little bit more about the girls, uh, you know, that they attacked a friend to try and please Thunderman. So let's get, let's get into the actual crime. I say alleged crime, you know. Uh, I should say alleged crime because the trial has begun. Begins this fall, but let's not kid ourselves. This is what happened. You can literally watch the police interrogation footage of these girls uh, admitting exactly what they did, uh, describing what they did in great detail. And the victim slash eyewitness is alive and testifying. Uh, they're guilty. Okay. The, the, there were uh, three girls at the sleepover at Morgan's house on May 30th, 2014. Morgan and Bella and Morgan's newer friend, Anissa. Anissa and Bella knew each other. Morgan was what they kind of had in common. Each would have said that Morgan was their closest friend. So that's kind of the, the social arrangement. They all lived in Waukesha, a suburb of Milwaukee. Morgan and Nisa lived in Sunset Apartments, 72 units on the wrong side of Sunset Drive. And, you know, the neat but drab kind of two-story subsidized housing where backyards are fenced, small curtained windows, closed, closed doors, look over a parking lot, Waukesha's downtown, not exactly popping, lots of freight trains, a couple biker bars. Kind of town where, unless your kids play sports, there isn't a, a lot of obvious hangout spots for them to go to. I mean, way more than where I grew up in Riggins, but, you know, still not a lot compared to proper cities. Uh, but there is Skateland, an indoor roller rink. It's got a DJ playing those top 40 jams. It's got disco balls lighting up the dance floor, green and purple picnic tables. It's probably got a couple dudes in the early to mid-20s sitting in those tables staring at 12-year-old girls in a way that would make any respectable father want to murder them. Uh, I'm just guessing on the dude's part, but I've been to a few roller rinks in my day and there's always a couple creepers hanging around for whatever reason. Well, that Friday, May 30th, Morgan, Bella, Anissa, uh, they're headed there around dinner time, chauffeured by Morgan's father, Matt. They stay there till about 9.30. Morgan wants to leave, they go back to Morgan's. Girls goof around on their laptops, probably look up a few, few uh, creepy Slenderman posts on, you know, creepy pasta or whatever, and, uh, and then go back to bed. Next morning, dicking around in Morgan's room like kids do on a Saturday morning, playing dress up. Each girl's acting out her own avatar. Bella dresses up as a princess in pink. Morgan dresses up as Data from Star Trek Next Generation. Uh, Nisa dresses up as a prostitute. Uh, interesting. Character of her own creation. Again, these girls are clearly a little weird, Weird, you know? The future stabbing victim dresses up like a princess, and then the future stabbers dress up like a Star Trek character and a troll slash prostitute. I mean, that's uh, interesting. Uh, they then eat donuts and strawberries for breakfast. It actually sounds fucking amazing right now because I'm trying to eat less carbs. I could do some serious damage to some donuts, especially maple bars. I could I could fuck up some maple bars right now. So good, especially early in the, in the morning when the fresh maple syrup that are not syrup icing just kind of melts in your mouth. Uh, anyway, uh, after their donuts, Morgan asks her mom if they could go outside and play. The girls head out to David's Park, and shit starts getting dark. Uh, as the girls walk to the park, Bella walks ahead, and Morgan and Anissa lag behind. And then according to Anissa's confession, Morgan pulls up the left side of her white and black plaid jacket to show Anissa that she'd taken a steak knife from her mom's kitchen. A knife with a black handle and a gray stripe. I thought, dear God, this is really happening, Anissa later told police. Uh, all the months of fantasizing coming down to this day. Once they got to the park, the girls go into a public restroom, 
And uh, and here's where uh, Anissa and Morgan first attack Bella. Morgan apparently tried to restrain Bella. Bella got away. Then Anissa pushed Bella's head into a wall. And then according to what they said, Morgan zoned out, started pacing around and singing. And then Anissa told Bella to go outside and wait while she calmed Morgan down. And even though uh, these two girls had just attacked her in a public uh, park restroom, Bella did go outside and wait for them. Why? Because she's 12. And these girls are supposed to be her friends. Kids are so weird. If you don't have kids and it's been a while since you were a kid, you might think, why the fuck would this girl stick around after one of her friends just tried to restrain her in a bathroom and another friend just smacked her head into a wall? And you'd be right to wonder that. Well, I'll tell you why. Kids are animals who live outside the boundaries of adult logic and reason uh, almost every day of their lives. I had a barbecue this past 4th of July and some kids were playing together. And then one kid uh, about this age, about 12 years old, you know, in that kind of 9 to 12 range. And then one kid... Uh, just suddenly dumped his soda on top of another kid's head, laughed at him, and then that kid walked off and cried. And then two minutes later, he was playing with the group again. And if you're wondering why did why didn't I, why didn't I do something in that situation? You know why didn't I help that victim in some way? Because uh, I didn't. Well, because the kid who got dumped on had been fucking with the other kid and every other kid at the barbecue for about an hour. You know, shooting kids and trying to shoot them in the eye with a squirt gun, uh, cutting in front of the line on the slip and slide. You know, just being obnoxious. You got what was coming to him. Uh, same barbecue, I saw another kid, maybe around 12 himself, get thrown, thrown to the ground uh, by, by a grown man after trying to fight that grown man uh, after an argument during a game of a heads-up, seven-up. And the kid deserved to be thrown to the ground by that grown man. The kid was a goddamn savage. And then he got up, and he was fine 30 seconds later, and then it was all over. Kids' social interactions make sense so little of the time, and they're so mean to each other so often that Bella's behavior makes sense to me. Um, things shift so quickly. Like they'll hate each other one minute and then five minutes later, it's like no one has even remembered that they were just in a huge fight. Uh, just very tumultuous. It's like, yeah, she got tackled a bit and then her head got smacked into a wall, but that was like two minutes ago. You know, that was a lifetime ago. Shit's different now. You know, Anissa said sorry and everything's cool. No big whoop. Well, after sending Bella out of the bathroom, Anissa comforts Morgan, pets her, she says later, like a cat. Uh, weird. Uh, again, I get though, after spending time around girls, I mean... You know, not totally crazy. You know, I guess sometimes you need to be petted like a cat when you're a 12-year-old kid. Uh, Nisa then has to go, uh, wants to go play hide-and-seek in the woods. Uh, you know, the, kind of the woods form the far boundary of the park, and the three girls head there. They walk to the end of Big Bend Road, where the asphalt turns to gravel, dead ends uh, in the woods, and they start playing hide-and-seek. Morgan counts first while Nisa and Bella hide. Nisa now tries to tackle Bella, can't hold her down. And then Morgan takes out the knife, but doesn't reveal it to Bella who, according to the girls, is now picking flowers. Again, because things change so quickly. Yeah, one second you're getting tackled, but now you're not being tackled, so hey, there's some flowers. Let's go pick those. Morgan gives a knife to Anissa. Anissa hands it back, saying she's too squeamish to stab Bella. I'm not going to until you tell me to, Morgan says. Anissa says that she then started to walk away, and when she got about five feet, she stopped and said, Kitty now, go ballistic, go crazy. Anissa says she, she then heard Morgan say to Bella, Don't be afraid, I'm only a little kitty cat. And then Morgan pushed Bella over and stabbed her. 19 times. She stabs her in a frenzy, cutting her arms and legs, also puncturing her stomach, liver, pancreas, barely missing a major artery near her heart, like a millimeter. Stabby, stab, stab, stab is how Morgan recalled it later when she testified to detectives. It didn't feel like anything, she said during her interview with police, making a vague, loose stabbing gesture with her left hand. It was like air. Bella screamed and screamed, I hate you, I trusted you. She tried to get up and walk. Anissa took her by the arm, steered her deeper into the woods, told her to lie down, said she'd bleed slower if she did. Morgan then tried to dress Bella's wounds with a leaf, and then they fled, washing up in the sinks in the Walmart bathroom, filling their water bottles there. They wandered around Waukesha for a couple hours, crying sometimes, sometimes singing, sometimes wilting in the heat, till finally they were picked up by police as they sat in the grass near an entrance to the interstate. 
Luckily, while they were wandering around town, Bella managed to crawl onto the road where she was discovered by a passing cyclist and taken to a hospital where she told police what had happened. And that's how it all went down. And Bella was treated for her substantial wounds, made a full recovery, and now is by all accounts leading a typical teenage life. Now, before we get into the current lives of Morgan and Anissa and their trial, kind of think about, you know, this episode. Let's take a break from all the heaviness and let's get into some idiots of the internet. Idiots of the internet. All right, let's forget for a second that getting caught up in Slenderman lore is what got a 12-year-old girl stabbed. Let's remember that she's okay now. She's apparently doing great in school. And let's remember that Slenderman lore did not get a young girl stabbed. Uh, either two not properly supervised 12-year-old girls letting their imagination get way out of control is what got the poor girl stabbed. Or two girls blamed an internet monster for their own bloodlust uh, that got another kid violently assaulted. So that said, let's take these Slenderman message boards for what they really are treasure troves of wonderfully entertaining unintentional comedy uh i, I don't want to pick on actual kids for being idiots in this segment so i tried finding what i uh, believe to be an adult uh, poster <laughs> and based on the technically well-written comments i'm about to share with you I, I do think i found one i do think this is probably a young adult i think we're dealing with an actual grown-up uh, which makes this so much better to me uh, for today's comments i went to the slenderman.wikia.com website slash message board an online community for all things slender and there are various awesome threads going on. Stuff like dreams of slender, a demon, father mentality theory. Why did he, why does he go after kids? Slenderman myth or truth, etc. cetera. Uh, you can kick off a new slender related topic and discuss it with others or join the discussion of a different slender topic. I picked observer effect. Why killing him is so hard. And I struck idiot gold. There's gold in them message boards and chat rooms. Big thick nuggets of idiot gold. On August 22nd, 2016, user ElectricFire169 threw some slender speculation out into the Slenderverse. I was reading in the forums theories on how to kill Slenderman. It seems to me that the question is purely academic, because even if you somehow get past his personal army of brainwashed, teleporting, underage bodyguards, you have to somehow get close enough to him to actually do whatever it is you have to do to kill him, which is difficult because of both his telepathic powers and his ability to translocate himself to different points in space-time. Holy fucking nerd. Wow. Talk about misdirected energy. This author appears to be very intelligent. Excellent grammar, sentence structure, knowledge of subject. Imagine if this intellect was directed at curing some disease or climate change study or economic theory. No, it's directed on an extremely well thought out detail as you're about to find out how to kill something that will never have to be killed because it's not real. I mock this despite having previously given a lot of thought as how to kill zombies when I was obsessed with reading the Walking Dead graphic novels. So there is that. Anyway, uh, back to Electric Fire 169. As someone observed previously, Slender's actions are all consistent with current theories in physics, specifically that of observer effect, which shows that particles can behave with identical properties to that of waves when not observed. We have already seen that he was sluggish when someone discovered him by accident. As neither was aware of the other, when he was noticed he seemed unable to teleport, and his tentacles took time to extend. Again, wow, why isn't this person running some Fortune 500 company? Instead of breaking down a theoretical Slenderman homicide, why isn't, he, why isn't he helping me turn time suck into an empire? This person is a special kind of idiot. He is the rare genius idiot. Electric Fire 169 continues. So this suggests that he either was in a dormant or some other state akin to sleeping, or the subject's lack of awareness about Slenderman's presence made him essentially invisible to him. The latter theory sounds preferable, but may not take into account potential occurrences where he has hunted down people also unaware. Therefore, reliance on this would be unwise. 
A third alternative would be that both of the above statements are correct. In any of those three cases, the knowledge is essentially useless. As the footage showed, though his reaction was slower than otherwise, react he did. As soon as the subject noticed Slender, so Slender became active. So it would be useless to look for Slender knowing you planned to kill him. He would detect it almost instantly, and you would undoubtedly become the prey rather than the hunter. So is there a way of killing Slender without being aware of it? Whether Slenderman can detect if a person is acting on subliminally planted instructions is not currently known, nor is it likely to become known in the foreseeable future. Using anything that uses electronics, on the other hand, is futile. Slender easily tracked down several subjects who were using video or audio recording devices, or even flashlights and torches. Not currently known. Won't be in the foreseeable future. Get the fuck out of here. I love the uber serious tone of all this. I love it so much. No humor at all about breaking down potential Slenderman murder mythology, you know, methodology, approaching like a real detective assigned to a real case. I'm kind of in love with this idiot. Another option would be use someone capable of blocking their thoughts from being read. They would essentially be invisible to him as long as they are separate. The likelihood is that Slender would become aware of their presence as soon as they came into visual contact. This being the case, our hypothetical assassin would have to act fast. Even with the element of surprise, Slender and the proxies would be on them quickly. Again, speed is essential. A final possibility, and by far the least likely, though also the simplest, is that of equal and opposite force in accordance with the laws that the energy cannot be created or destroyed, but rather chained to an alternate state, and that any object in motion will remain in motion at the same velocity unless acted upon by an external force, Potentially something with an equal or opposite amount of power too slender would be at least able to fight him on a level playing field. Something even more powerful, on the other hand, could outright destroy him. However, the likelihood of another such with abilities even close to slender, never mind one such as that actively opposing slender, is minimal at best. Breaking down the laws of physics to destroy slender. Oh, this person both uh, he, this person must both dominate role-playing games and be the the worst person to enjoy playing them with, right? Like, I bet they are so anal. Well, actually, you're supposed to roll your, your movement uh, uh, before you roll for your attack. And, and while I understand your confusion, if you refer to page 17 of the player's guide, it is clearly stated that under no circumstances, blah, 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 blah. And now the replies, the priceless replies, user implored types, as Pyro will gladly explain to you, his name ain't Slender. <laughs> nice. Nerd burn. That aside... Those are, as far as I can tell, decent thoughts. Wonderfully pseudoscientific. Say, when you say someone whose mind cannot be read, how would this be possible? I mean, my mind is, according to a professional mind reader, I drove into despair. <laughs> Illegible. That's a word, right? But how would one completely shelter his brain? Ah, according to a professional mind reader. As if that is a profession. A professional mind reader is about as legit as a professional Slenderman hunter. But seriously, Electric Fire 169, how, how does one shelter their mind? Electric Fire 169, quick to answer. Aye, there's the rub. Some, <laughs> someone once suggested using Bakerfoil. Bakerfoil hats shielded your mind from being read. This seems uh, apocryphal at best, as the foil is made of aluminum, which is a conductive metal. I can only think that someone would have to have telepathic powers of their own to be able to deflect or block another telepath. And even then, this would be difficult considering Slenderman's power, unless he can't read through his bestest. Actually, that would also explain the whole taken-by-surprise thing. Implored isn't into the whole fucking tinfoil hat argument, all right? Commenting, well, I won't wear a tinfoil hat if one day I actually get to fight all slenty. If I die, I won't die looking utterly ridiculous. Huh. Electric Fire 169 totally agrees with that point. Good call. Any other suggestions as to how to hide your presence from the tall man long enough to, in popular parlance, make him dead? 
in popular parlance. Is, it, is Electric Fire 169 smoking from a pipe wearing a Sherlock Holmes hat? Maybe maybe somehow typing these comments into an old metal fucking typewriter in an attic somewhere? This pretentious motherfucker. Anyway, Implored does have a suggestion. That really depends on how long that take, to which Electric Fire 169 points out. And that, in turn, depends on what method would be used. Touché, Electric Fire 169. A touché. Another user, Phobo Imperius, joins this meeting of the minds, pointing out, this assumes a human-appropriate method of hiding is possible. Electric Fire 169 totally rolls their virtual eyes at this, but still plays nice. Sure there is. It just doesn't work if either one is aware of the other. You can almost hear the exasperation in Electric Fire 169's typing. Yes, obviously, Phobo Imperius, we've been through this. You can use human methods due to Slender's human origins. Uh, come on, add to the discussion. Please do not detract from it. Implored gently tells Electric Fire 169 to cool their jets. Implored is all too familiar with Electric Fire being a hothead. Typing, remember, that's a theory, not a, not a concrete scientific fact. Electric Fire 169, to their credit, immediately calms down. Oh, yeah. Well, I guess that's back to the drawing board then. <laughs> I added the laugh there. And this civil back and forth continues for a long, long time. It's surreal. It, it's, it's, it's like two polite old men on a park bench discussing politics or current affairs, except they're talking about a monster that's not real. During this back and forth exchange, I had a sad thought. I realized that I had just read a more pleasant and civil exchange between a few potential Slenderman believers on a strange message board than any exchange I've read about between our president and any other world leader. If Trump could talk to other politicians and world leaders like Electric Fire 169 communicates with Implored, <laughs> imagine how much better we'd all feel about the current polarized social climate of our nation. Uh, I noticed that the tone of the wiki site for Slender in general is really positive. Nothing, nothing but positive, actually. It kind of gave me a warm, fuzzy feeling uh, until I started reading all these this comment has been removed captions uh, and realized it's not some civil utopia. It's just sanitized. Mean comments have been stricken from the records. How? How am I supposed to find a real idiot then? Some mindless cruelty. And then I remembered YouTube was still around, and I went there for today's final exchange. This quick exchange made me laugh so hard, out loud, by myself. Under, <laughs> under an ABC YouTube video reporting details of the stabbing, user Ice Bear simply wrote, white people, dot, dot, dot. And then user Gomrad uh, went fucking off and typed, and I quote, You could focus on an actual problem, like newborns getting raped in the asshole in Central Africa to cure AIDS. Or type comment, idiotic comments on YouTube about imaginary racial differences. It's your choice. What the fuck? How did, how did those become the only two choices? How? That's, that seems a tad extreme. You know, in life, you, you can focus on imaginary racial differences. Sure, you could do that. Or you could focus on the, the only other thing in the world there is to think about. Central African babies getting raped specifically in their assholes, specifically to cure AIDS. And this statement was so outrageous and specific, I actually Googled, are Central African babies getting anally raped to cure AIDS? And then an FBI SWAT team immediately kicked down my door and arrested me. Now, actually, insanely and horrifically, I'm, <laughs> don't, don't shoot the messenger, I'm sad to report this, uh, is, is a real thing. It is apparently a real thing that actually happens. My God, as if there wasn't already enough evil in the world. I still strongly don't think that focusing on it should be one's only other choice than making an issue race-related. But yes, a survey of the University of South Africa in South Africa found that 18% of laborers in sub-Saharan Africa thought that having sex with a virgin cures you of AIDS. 
And then it goes to include infant rape when it's talking about this, uh, this, this belief. My God, holy mother of all whores. AIDS infected men raping infants. Oh my God, those pieces of shit. Even though I strongly doubt they even know how to surf the web, if, if they are truly that ignorant, they are today's true monsters. My God, slash idiots of the internet. Okay, so back to Slender Man. Uh, Peyton Lettner, a.k.a. Bella, thankfully, from everything I've read and watched, uh, today is doing fine. She's a well-adjusted 15-year-old, uh, undergoes regular counseling checkups, makes sure she's okay, she's in AP classes, lots of friends, turned into a great young woman. Uh, 15-year-old Anissa Weir was charged with first-degree intentional homicide and will be tried as an adult, her trial beginning in September, on September 11th. 15-year-old Morgan Geyser will begin her trial for first-degree intentional homicide on October 2nd. Uh, she's also being tried as an adult. Both have been declared by a judge as competent to stand trial, based on what I've watched and read. Anissa does seem competent. She does. Uh, she seems remorseful. Seems to understand what she's done. Morgan, on the other hand, allegedly still really believes in Slenderman and believes she uh, did what she did because it had to be done. That's terrifying. Allegedly, uh, still believes she she could kill again and would kill again if Slenderman needed her too. She spent at least a few months of her incarceration in a psychiatric care facility. Be interesting to see how her trial pans out. Uh, seems lost in her own little world. Ants that wander into her cell are considered as pets. Uh, she has conversations, thin air. Uh, she sketches various people and objects that she arranges around herself to create an otherworldly atmosphere of being in another place. Uh, Anissa socializes with other girls in her juvenile detention center, kind of tries to help them. Uh, Morgan has completely socially isolated herself. Uh, I've convicted both girls who have already been incarcerated for over three years at this point uh, as they await trial, could spend up to 65 years in prison, basically a life sentence. So what do we think of all this? What, who do we blame? Well, you know, I'll tell you right away who we don't blame. We don't blame the online community for creating Slenderman. If we blame them, we better go grab Stephen King and have him publicly executed for all the scary shit he's put out there. Horror fiction is an art form, and it's not the artist's responsibility to make sure everyone interprets their art correctly, right? That's up to the person looking at it, reading about it, admiring it, fearing it, etc. And if you're unsure your kid can handle what they're absorbing and might not interpret it correctly, then it's, you know, it's your job to do your best, you know, to make sure they don't have access to it. And look, as a busy parent, I know that's hard, but there's always a little time to check in, really check in. You know, what have you been reading lately, buddy? What have you been watching? What are you into? How was school last week? What kids have you uh, been playing with? You know, what are they like? What is everyone into right now? You seem a little withdrawn. What's going on? Come on, let's go for a walk. Let's talk. And you can check their internet search history and probably should from time to time. I don't think Anissa's and Morgan's parents are bad people, but after watching the HBO documentary, reading a lot of articles, I, I just think, you know, they didn't make enough effort to check in. And again, a lot of parents don't. You know, they're just happy to have their kids out of their hair. You know, when my kids get quiet, I get nervous. What the fuck are they up to? What are they reading? You know, uh, that being said, again, uh, you know, maybe my kids will do something crazy. You know, you, you can't watch monitor them all the time. It's impossible. You can't control what their friends tell them, you know, which is at the end of the day, the, the only two people, why there's only two people to blame in this situation. And that's Morgan and Anissa. Yes, they were only 12 when they did it, but they did do it. How many other 12 year olds have been way into Slenderman and not stabbed anyone? Thousands, if not millions. So the real conclusion I guess I come to is this. Don't stab anybody. If you're thinking about stabbing someone, see a counselor and never forget just because, you know, you read something online, it doesn't, you know, just because you watch something, it doesn't make it true. I try to fact check important points I find in, in each of these sucks against numerous other sources because I trust no one and because information seems to be wrong so much of the time. And even though despite, you know, doing my best, I still get, you know, the Time Sucker updates pointing out that I still miss things, you know, and, uh, and maybe that's the lesson. I don't know. Trust no one. <laughs> trust, trust no one, you guys. That's the, except me. No, don't even trust me. Fact check me. Keep fact-checking. Be critical. Just in general, be critical with the, with the information you come across in life. Uh, and yeah, and, and keep pointing out my mistakes. Keep me honest. Let's have this be an honest place for us to go to. And uh, all right, enough Slender Man speculation for today. It's time for some top five takeaways. 
Time Suck Top 5 Takeaways. Number one, Eric Newton created Slenderman on June 10th, 2009, submitting some pictures on the Something Awful website in an effort to create a new monster. He succeeded. Holy shit, did he ever. Number two, on Saturday, May 31st, 2014, 12-year-old girl Peyton Lautner was stabbed 19 times by two other 12-year-old girls, Anissa Weir and Morgan Geyser, because they thought that killing her would impress Slenderman and allow them to become his proxies. To this day, Morgan believes in the made-up monster that she may spend the rest of her life in prison for. Number three, there uh, are many Slenderman believers out there who know that Eric's Slenderman photos are fake, know they were the first Slenderman photos posted online, and still believe in Slenderman. How strong is the will to believe in some people? Jim Jones would have loved these people. Number four, the Slenderman trial begins this fall, and both Anisa and Morgan could spend an additional 65 years behind bars, all because they thought sacrificing Bella would please Slenderman enough to allow them to live with him and become his proxies. Number five, some new info. The Slenderman mythology continues. Uh, Sylvain White, whose previous film credits include The Losers and I'll Always Know What You Did Last Summer, will direct a Slenderman movie set for 2018 release. Uh, supposedly filming should be underway now. Who is going to believe this movie is real? Is Slenderman still not done with us yet? Time suck. Top five takeaways. Another suck in the suck ball, everybody. We did it. We keep doing it. We keep on sucking. We keep on growing. Uh, the Suck actually hit the top 10 in the iTunes comedy podcast chart this past week, a chart that measures podcast growth, and we're growing because of you. I can't thank you enough, and we're going to keep growing. I uh, have some big plans for this community. I'll be revealing later this fall. Uh, hope you're on board for all of them. Hope to see some upstate suckers this weekend in Syracuse. <clears throat> Excuse me. Sorry my voice gets so dry. It's been the driest summer like on record <laughs> in Coeur d'Alene where I've been recording this from. You just can't drink enough water to just ever have your throat stay stay moist. I'll be at the Syracuse Funny Bone August 17 through 20. And then I hit Southern California. I'll be at the Irvine Improv August 24 through 27. It's right off I-5 at the Spectrum Center. Be there. It's a great club. Both of those are great clubs. Uh, and then it's off to the Omaha, Nebraska Funny Bone August 31st through September 3rd. Tickets on sale for all those dates. Dates in Portland, Oregon, Spokane, Washington, Madison, Wisconsin, Denver, Colorado, Grand Rapids, Michigan, and more coming up before the end of the year. And tickets on still on sale for the first ever live recording of Time Suck. Please come to that if you're in the L.A. area. I'll be at the Hollywood Improv in the lab Thursday, October 5th. Show starts at 7.30 p.m. Doors open at 7. Tickets 15 bucks. Snatch them up. Don't risk getting turned away at the door. Please come support this event if you can. Ticket link in the episode description on your podcast player and at timesuckpodcast.com. Please follow The Suck on social media for reminders about events like this, previews of upcoming episodes, and more at timesuckpodcast on Instagram, Twitter, slash timesuckpodcast on Facebook. Next week, we go rocking and rolling. On the suck. Many of you have been asking for a while about some Kurt Cobain, right? Some grunge sucking. Boy, am I ever in. I was in the Northwest during the grunge explosion. I got sucked up into it, and I can't wait to suck on it now. In light of the recent suicides of Chris Cornell of Soundgarden, Temple the Dog, Audio Slave, and Solo Work fame, and then the suicide of Lincoln Park frontman Chester Bennington, it just feels like the right time to, to talk about not only Kurt's life, but his own suicide as well, uh, and suicide in general. And, uh, and was it murder? Uh, you know, I've heard the rumors that Courtney Love had him killed for years. Did she? Well, uh, I, I doubt it, but I'm gonna look into it. I mean, if she if, if she did, why wasn't she seriously investigated? You know, but I'm gonna look into it, uh, and I'm gonna look into what made a 27 year old rock star, a new father, seemingly on top of the world, choose to check out. You know, how did some scrawny punk from Aberdeen, Washington, take over rock and roll in the first place? How did he change the the course of popular music forever? You know, kick butt rock, that butt rock of the late 80s and early 90s, right off of MTV and right into the state circuit. You know, state fair circuit. How? How did all that happen? We'll find out next week. And until next week, uh, stay curious. Don't believe monsters are real. 
Super don't believe they want you to stab somebody. And uh, just want to say, I had a great time this past week watching Michael motherfucking McDonald sing his ass off in Spokane, Washington. Triple M and Boscax yacht rocking the shit out of the inland northwest. Yamo had to be there. Oh, Yamo had to be there. Pics on Instagram. Now, keep on sucking. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. If you suddenly had an extra hour show up in your day every day, what would you do with it? Work out? Sleep? Read a book? Play Fortnite? Call your mom, take judo lessons, finally watch all the episodes of Shameless. A lot of us spend a lot of our time wishing we had more time. But why? Time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The bad news is that you're not going to get that 25th hour. But what you can probably do is reprioritize where you spend some of your time. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it with your time. This year, my health is more important to me than cranking out another stand-up special as fast as possible. So I canceled a tour, sacrificed that income, and decided to spend a lot of the time I just got back working out more, resting more, relaxing more, and enjoying time with family, friends, and just myself. And I'm so glad I did. I feel better than I have in a long time. And my BetterHelp therapist, Debbie, was very helpful in getting me to make the decision to pull back. Thank you, Debbie. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash TimeSuck today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash TimeSuck. 